Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to grab your Bibles if you would tonight, just for the next few moments. I'd like you to go to Romans, Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> and I just want to make a promise from the very beginning in this message that I will conclude by midnight. Praise the Lord. That's my vow. That's my promise to you tonight. And I will hold to that. So, <laughs> Romans 10. Thank you, Lord. Boy, don't you appreciate our worship team? Wow. My goodness. Tonight was just... Yeah, go ahead and put your, put your Bible aside and let's just give it up. God be praised. Hallelujah. So thankful. So thankful. I see coffees coming into the room, and I really need one in Jesus' name. So nobody, nobody got me one. I see you, son. I see you. I see you, and I need it. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Romans 10. Are you there? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to begin to read tonight in verse 14. Thank you, Cody. Love you, buddy. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written... Now, Paul is quoting the prophet Isaiah here, okay? He's quoting Isaiah. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed your gospel. And for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I loved when Mary just declared that from the platform during worship tonight, not even knowing where we were going to be adding the scriptures tonight. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him who they've not heard? These are the questions that we begin with tonight. These are the questions. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are Sent Because faith, it comes by hearing. And as Mary quoted tonight, faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing present tense. Come on, say amen. Now we know that in this text that literally the Apostle Paul, he is specifically calling on messengers to go and to preach to the nation of Israel to proclaim that Jesus is truly the Messiah. This is Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 11. The, the entire emphasis of the Apostle Paul in these three profound chapters is that messengers would be released now from Gentile nations back to 
the children of Israel to the Jewish people and that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and open, realizing and understanding that Jesus truly is their Messiah, that Jesus truly is the Son of God, the Son of Man, that Jesus is the Son of Abraham. He is the Son of David. And so Paul is imploring through this scripture here, how in the world shall they believe? How shall they hear uh, they, we need preachers to go. Preachers have to be sent. In this context, Paul is revealing, he's making the, the plea and the call. We need messengers for Israel. But I want to use this as a platform tonight to declare, in this hour, we need bold and uncompromising voices to America and the nations of the earth. We need those that are going to rise up and proclaim, boldly preach, share, and literally roar the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. How shall they hear unless we tell them? How shall they know unless we open our mouth and our voice and our spirit? How will they know? We have to be sent forth. We have to be commissioned. There has to be preachers and proclaimers of the gospel. And that is why we are here, so that we might be anointed by the Holy Spirit to become a true, mighty, vibrant, radiant voice for God in this generation. God desires everyone in victory to become activated so that we can become a voice and proclaim the goodness of the gospel wherever we go so that we are commissioned apostolically, so that we are sent to preach good news. Come on, church. Time is short. I remind you, folks, time is short, and Jesus is truly coming. And the spirit and the bride is still crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Time is short. The Lord needs every one of us to become a preacher of the gospel. It doesn't mean that you'll be given a pulpit in a sanctuary. It means that you take your pulpit with you everywhere you go to shine the radiant face of Christ. William Booth and his wife, Catherine, William Booth, they are the founders of the Salvation Army. Their ministry began in London, England, and they built a movement by preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel to the destitute in the city of London on the east side. And at that time, in spite of all of the violence, in spite of all the persecution that was happening at that time in the, early 18, in the late 1800s, they had over 250,000 people converted under the ministry of the Salvation Army in these years between 1881 and 1885. That's four years. In four years, 1881 to 1885, William and Catherine Booth preaching on the streets. What did they do? They took their pulpit to the world. They took their pulpit to the ghetto. William Booth, he would literally walk the streets of London to preach the gospel and cry out to the poor, to the homeless, suffering, homeless little children, to the hungry, to the destitute. 
William Booth, he abandoned the conventional type of ministry or having pulpit ministry, and he took it now to the people. And I want you to understand this tonight, that as you hear this, the Holy Spirit is wanting to ignite this fire in you that you are a preacher of good news. And everywhere you go, you are to carry this burning fire for souls. In 1867, 1867, William and Catherine Booth, listen to this, they only had 10 full-time workers. But by 1874, the number, their number of volunteers had grown to 1,000. That's seven years if you just did the math. In seven years, they grew from 10 full-time people to 1,000 thousand volunteers and they had 42 evangelists on their staff that's right at that time they were serving under this name the christian mission but general booth william booth he assumed this title being called general superintendent and the followers of their group they began to call him general general and they were known as the Hallelujah Army. That's where they started. Before they became the Salvation Army, they were the Hallelujah Army. I kind of like that. The Hallelujah Army. Come on. Anybody got a Hallelujah in here tonight? <laughs> so now they're winning converts all throughout East London, down in the ghettos, destitute places, homeless little children, widows, orphans, serving. You know, we have a Salvation Army right here in Sarasota, Florida. We have Salvation Armies all over from coast to coast across America. General William Booth, he died in 1912. 1912. He had a legacy of living to win souls. These are his words, and these are his words of warning two years before he died. In 1912, listen to these words. This is a word of warning to, to us tonight. I consider that the chief danger which confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. I would say in November of 2020 that he's still hitting a bullseye. These are powerful, powerful words. We are engaged right now, my friends, brothers and sisters, in an epic spiritual ongoing warfare. Do we understand this? See, for many years, the, the church has insulated themselves so well from the world in this bubble of church where we just kind of assimilated the country club scenario and built ourselves our own little communities for so long that now God is bursting through all of that nonsense of our seeker churches. Hello. Hello. All of, all of these seeker churches, God 
is now burning down the walls on that in this hour. It's like the Spirit of God is pulling back the curtain and showing the mockery of it all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God desires for us to become a pure voice for Him to this generation. A voice that will honor Him. A voice that will honor His Word. A voice that will cherish the Word of the Lord. To become a voice that will hold and tremble and fear the Lord at the highest regard. At the highest regard. Truly that we would be vessels of honor unto the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? And that in our relationship with the Lord, that His Word literally would become our final authority. That there would be no negotiation, no negotiation on wiggling out of the truth of God. That we would be a people that would surrender and submit, yielding ourselves willingly to the power of the Word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't have the luxury, ladies and gentlemen, to hanging on to our carnal-based opinions in this hour. We can't have our opinion. We have to yield ourselves to the Word. We live in a generation that despises the Word of God, that spits, that mocks, that stands against everything God says, this is sacred and holy unto me. I am actually shocked. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to spend a long time on it. But I'm actually shocked at leaders who have voted for the devil's will in this election. Knowing what this platform has stood for. Knowing that there is a demonic anointing upon it. A demonic antichrist spirit backing it, yet so-called Christian leaders have the gall to back it. I want to tell you, folks, I think a lot of people that we have called leaders for a long time are terribly lost. And I know that's strong. But if you're confused in this hour, folks, and if you will submit yourself and yield yourself. Folks, we're not supposed to be coming into unity with the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of this age. We're not supposed to be yielding ourselves to it. And sometimes it's embarrassing to say stuff that's just, it's just absolutely so simple. Yet we're in a time where the Word of God has been so forsaken and the pulpits have been absolutely pitiful. John the Baptist, it says in John chapter 3, if you'll go there tonight, John chapter 3 in verse 29 and 30. John the Baptist, he says he was a friend of the bridegroom. And he says these words. He says, the friend of the bridegroom, he stands and he hears him. Notice that. He stands and he hears him. Who? The bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom stands before the Lord and hears him and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase 
and I must decrease. Now, don't miss this, folks, that the friend of the bridegroom stands and hears him. You got to pay attention. You got to listen to what God is saying in this hour. God is calling us to be his deep, intimate friends so that we cherish what he cares for. That we aren't just people that enjoy the presence of God, but we don't cherish and love the very heart of God. And I've talked about this over our time in our, in our three short years together. And some of you, you've been with me a lot longer. But we've talked about this. There's so many people that love the presence. They'll come into church. They love the presence. They'll lift their hands. They'll enjoy the worship. They'll clap their hands. They'll say, that was really good. But when it comes down to brass tacks, they're not really committed in covenant love to the heart of God. I mean, you can look at a lot of marriages that are just like that in 2020. They love each other's presence, but when it comes to covenant love, there's a lot of problems. Are you hearing what I'm saying? John said, my delight, my treasure is this. I stand and I hear him. This is where it all starts to becoming a voice for God, to becoming a true trumpet or a prophetic voice of the Lord who God is calling every one of us to become. This is where we start by pulling away and being with the Lord, listening for his voice, Letting his word roll through us, the written word, the living word, the breathing word of the Spirit of God. And he says, then I, he goes on, he says, then I greatly rejoice because of the bridegroom's voice. <laughs> I love that. That's what John cherished. I love hearing his voice. Oh my, does that touch you? I'm telling you, that's burning underneath this shirt right now. That's what's burning. I love to hear his voice. I want to stand before him and hear him speaking and delight in what he is saying and then be obedient in this hour to do it. John was a burning, shining lamp. And John did not burn to be before people. A lot of people in ministry circles, they burn to be in front of people. They burned to be on the platform. They burned to be seen. John was the exact opposite. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? He burned to be before the Lord. That was his quest. That was his divine obsession. He burned to just be with the Lord. And because of it, he became a shining, burning light. Because he stood before the one who could set his heart on fire. John became the man who was the forerunner. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Isaiah 40, go there with me, Isaiah 40, put it in your notes tonight, I know it will be behind me, put it in your notes. Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, here it is, the first two words, the voice, the voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill will be brought low, and every crooked place shall be made straight. How many of you know we've got some crooked places in America that need to be made straight tonight? He says when the kingdom of God, when the king and the kingdom comes, everything that's crooked gets straightened out. 
And the rough places, they're made smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He stood before the Lord. He burned before the Lord. He rejoiced to hear the voice of the Lord. He rejoiced to hear the voice. And then to follow in obedience. And then say, now I will prepare the way of the Lord. I'm telling you this anointing. I'm telling you this anointing of the Holy Spirit is what the Lord wants to blanket this family in so that we can go and herald and proclaim and preach and be bold as lions. In this hour, wherever we go, we take this burning torch on the inside of us and we begin to prepare the way of the Lord. We stand before the Lord. We prepare ourselves to face a hostile, hostile, wicked, lawless generation. God is not preparing us to go into hiding. God is not preparing you and I to go into hiding. God is preparing you and I so he can thrust us out to proclaim the word of the Lord. So this was John's training. He was disciplined in the wilderness. Put it in your notes. Wilderness. Circle it. Underline it. Underscore it. Highlight it. Do whatever you got to do. You know, the, the place of the wilderness, no one is exempt from. No one is exempt from wilderness. That's exciting. I knew that. I'd have a lot of hallelujahs on this mighty point. I knew I'd have at least three runners. They went by so fast. No one is exempt from wilderness. Because in the wilderness, it's a time where we are shaped. We are developed. We're in shaping. We're in pruning. We don't like these words, do we? God is sculpting us. God is developing us. God is fashioning us. God is disciplining us. God is rebuking us. God is setting us in order lovingly as a father. As Bren wonderfully preached just a couple weeks ago, it is a process of discipline. And that, and that proves in the discipline that we are true sons and daughters of God. It's not that God is mad at us. It's not that God's disappointed in you, mad at you. No, it's just part of the process. It's part of him just like a head coach sculpting the team and getting them to understand you're going to feel pain. You're going to go through stuff. This is going to wear you out. This is how you break through pain thresholds. This is how you see your way into triumph. This is how you make your way into victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You go through development. You go through do sculpting, through fashioning in the wilderness. And like John, he was in the wilderness for years. And this is what it says in Luke 1.80. It says, and the child continued to grow, and he became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance or manifestation to Israel. Wow. Until the day of his public appearance. Now I'm going to say it again, folks. Many of you listening to me, many of you listening to me right now, you're here, 
Many of you listening online to me right now, many of you that will end up hearing this message maybe days or maybe weeks from now, you need to be encouraged because your wilderness and your training right now are going to pay off. <laughs> All right, 20 of you believe that. Your wilderness is going to pay off because God's going to release you to become a true voice, a pure voice, a voice that will be uncompromising, a voice that will be unyielding, a voice that won't be seduced by the spirits of this age, a voice that can't be turned around and talked out of it. You got to know what you believe. And you got to know our Father who spoke it. That's why Jesus, I, I, I use this example so many times. Jesus said, nobody can take my life from, from me. I freely lay it down. No one murdered Jesus. Jesus laid his life down. You see the difference? He said, I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take my life up again. This command I received from my Father. So before Jesus ever stepped into the earth realm, he stood before his Father and it was decreed over him, you have the authority and the power to lay your life down. You have the power to take your life up again. I, I say this command over you. That'll, that'll give you some authority. I always say over us in this house that revelation is actually what establishes authority. Jesus walked in that revelation. He was never doubting his identity. He was never doubting his assignment. Why? Because the Father had spoken over him. And so that revelation of the word, the spoken word of his Papa, his Abba Father, established such an authority that nothing the enemy did, nothing all of those who were being used by the minions of the enemy could turn him around or bring him into any level of trickery. And he is our example and he is our pattern. So you may, you may hear that and think, well, Brian, that's Jesus. And Jesus did it as a man. He didn't do it as God. He was fully God, fully man. But he laid aside completely his deity. How did he overcome the devil? As a man. And that's why he's our example. It means it's possible. Are you with me or not? So let's go back to these questions of Romans 10. How shall they call on him who they've not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? Oh, that God would raise us up to become a voice to this generation. See, I want, I want these questions of Paul to be branded in your spirit. I don't want you to get away from them. This is an hour, folks, where this generation and the generation that is yet to come in the United States of America, they desperately need the true messengers and the voice of the Lord.
Several months ago, I was talking about John the Baptist with you, and I shared these words, that John's level of humility wasn't something that he was just automatically born with. Sometimes we just think that, you know, people are just so anointed that it just comes in the package. No. He, John had to be in the wilderness. Why? Because God was forging humility in his heart. Is that, is that really the ways of God? You better believe it. God forges us in that place of the wilderness for humility. He spent years there. And this is what happened. He learned how to hear and tremble and obey the voice of God. But here's some keys that happen. I want you to write them down tonight. In John's life, number one, he came to believe that his identity was sure before heaven. When he stood as a friend of the bridegroom, what happened was in his spirit, his spirit man, it, he, he came into congruence with what was settled in heaven over his destiny. Does that make sense? That's why people are in such a struggle because it's not settled in them yet what God has already preordained and purposed and spoken over their life. It's unsettled here. What happened to John in the wilderness is his spirit then came into alignment and in congruence with the identity that was spoken over his life that he would prepare the way of the Lord. Are you seeing it? Number two, he chose a lifestyle of extravagant devotion. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better one? <laughs> Thank you. He chose a life of extraordinary devotion. Folks, this is what God is calling us to in intimacy with him. He's calling us to a place of true union and intimacy with him that I'm telling you, our devotion to the Lord, this place that he's calling us to, it will become our obsession, extravagant lifestyle of devotion and obedience that, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. This isn't just for Brian. This isn't just for you to throw me out there to do whatever God tells me to do. We're to be doing this as a company, as a family, as a pride of lions. This is who we are. This is who we are. I'm reminding you who you are. We're to choose a lifestyle of extravagant devotion unto the Lord. Whatever it cost us. The third thing. John courageously obeyed the call of God on his life by trumpeting the call to repentance, listen, by trumpeting a call to repentance to the lost people of his nation. Now, I wonder, I wonder, are we willing to ask God to really make us a messenger and a voice that we would actually cry out to our country, to our countrymen, to our city, to our region, the way forward is to humble yourself and to repent before Almighty God. This is what it required for all of us to pass through the narrow way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gateway into the kingdom. 
you hearing me tonight? It's not, it's not something fashionable that people often preach, but it is the gospel. It is the gospel. It requires repentance to enter into true salvation. Here's another key for you tonight. John did not seek to be great before men. John did not seek to be great before men. We live in a a very shallow religious culture, and it looks like American Idol. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is trying to cut through this absurdness in this hour. So that we're not looking to be seen before men. So that we're not looking to become famous. As I've said so many times, God is not calling you and I to be famous. He's calling you and I to be faithful. I've sat with generals for more than 20, 25 years. I've sat with generals I've listened to the hardships that they have gone through. I've listened to some of the secrets that they have learned along the way and along the path and how to protect themselves of how the enemy would try to seduce us so that we become almost like a legend in our own minds. There's so many ministers out out there right now, they're in love with the sound of their own voice. They've got to be heard. They've got, an, they've got another revelation. They've got another dream. They've got another tweet, and you've got to hear it. They've got one every day. I'm like, dear Jesus, are you kidding me? I'm going to tell you, it ain't like that. And sometimes I really wonder if they have authorization to tell all of that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you don't have authorization on it, guess what? You can run a ministry on that for a little while. But what you do to stimulate people, you'll have to keep doing that to keep them. I'm going to make the point again. John did not seek to be great before men. Do you know that when Leonard Ravenhill, listen to what I'm saying to you. Do you know when Leonard Ravenhill was still alive, who was a mighty spiritual father, to many men and women of God who was a pure, Holy Ghost, intense revivalist. Do you know that ministers were afraid to go to his meetings? You could find him down in a little small podunk town in Texas, and there would be about 19, 21 people in that meeting. There wouldn't be thousands. He was a burning, burning torch for God. They were scared to death of him. They were. They were scared to death of him. Why? He didn't seek to be great in the eyes of men. But real leaders sought him out. John's quest was to seek the one whose greatness is unsearchable. And John the Baptist was set on fire by this quest. See, something's going on in this hour. Many people are being mesmerized by the news, and the bad news especially. But God's trying to call his remnant and his beloved ones to himself so that they stand in the voice of the Lord. They stand in the voice of the Lord. Nothing will set you free from the fear of man more 
than just standing in the voice of the Lord, being in quality time with God and letting his word pierce you through and through. You want to be delivered from this, from the fear of this hostile culture in this hour? You've got to spend quality time with God. And I've, I've said this before, a, a dear mentor in me and Bren's life, he said to me one day, Brian, how do you know when you've prayed long enough? <laughs> no one had asked me that question. I said, Pastor, I don't know. He said, you'll know that you have prayed long enough when you stop walking away from the hard sayings of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, that, that's going to look very different from ever, for, for every one of us. But we've got to stop hiding ourselves away from the hard things that the Lord wants to say to us. Listen, so many Christians have insulated their hearts. God can't say anything hard to them, even about their generation or their time. They'd rather just bury their heads in the sand, go to a church, take in some worship, throw a few dollars in, and go about their business. But God's calling sons and daughters to be intimate friends and lovers of God so that He can lay His heart on their heart. What happens is, is God begins to deal with our own humanity. God begins to deal with our own indifference. And brother, we've got it. No one's smiling at me. So I'm smiling at you. God will deal with our natural pride. He'll deal with any secret ambition. Because the Holy Spirit cannot be duped. The Holy Spirit cannot be fooled. And there is a joy in hearing the voice of God. There is a joy in intimacy with God. There is a joy when we begin to commune with the Lord and He begins to speak to us. And I want to tell you, folks, this is why your human heart was created. Your human heart that is dealing with loneliness that is dealing with pain, that is dealing with confusion of this hour, that is dealing with all the friction and turbulence that's going on in this world. Your human heart was created to have intimacy with a living, loving God. Our heart has to be fueled by intimacy with the Lord, friendship with the Lord. Standing in the word of the Lord. Letting the Lord pierce our hearts. Letting the Lord pierce our heart. Listen, what I personally do is I take stock of where I'm at personally. And this is how I do it. If I've went a few weeks and I have not wept, wept over my nation and wept over this generation and wept over this crisis, something's wrong. If we're just burning with indifference, if we're just burning in anger and we have not wept over the situation, something's lacking. There's no amens. If you are like me, and perhaps you are, I believe that your heart longs to make an impact in the world. I believe that you desire to make an impact 
in our beloved United States of America. Can I see your hands if that is true of you? We want to put our hands on something that has eternal significance and weightiness to it. And if that is you, then you must go and give yourself to the secret place of being with Jesus. Hear him. Listen for him. Walk with him. Go for walks late at night. Go for walks early in the morning. Get up early. Set yourself apart. God, I want to hear you. Let him set your heart on fire. Let him put a real word and a message deep in your spirit that you can't get away from. When you're a friend of God, John says, I am I am the friend of the bridegroom. What, a, what an awesome statement. I mean, we know, I am a friend of God. Come on, everybody. Okay, so you're still there. We know that. But when we really know, when we really know right here, I'm a friend of God. I walk confident. Not because of my family line, my family history, my mom and dad, their pedigree. No, it's, it's nothing about that. I, I walk confidently because of being with him and allowing him to pierce my heart and allowing his confidence in me and his word over me to shape me. I'm far from finished and I'm far from over. But he is faithful to complete that work which he has begun. Folks, God wants you to become a messenger. God wants you to become a messenger. God wants to put his words in your mouth. God wants to put his words in your mouth. It's easy to be in a service and listen to Brian just declare it, but yet separate yourself from it. And go, well, yeah, he's, he's the preacher. He's, and and that's, that's his call. That's what we pay you to do. That's <laughs> not how it works. You're called to be a messenger. A friend of God. Psalm chapter 25, if you will. Psalm chapter 25. And I'm almost there. Psalm 25 and verse 14, it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Oh, this is awesome. See, this is what God is inviting us into ultimately as friends. He shares his secrets with us to those who will walk in the fear of the Lord. And so now he says, he says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, I pray, that, I pray that that's burning in you right now. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. What, what does that mean? That, that all-encompassing, enveloping power, the keeping power of God over our lives. God is holding us in a covenant, in an everlasting and eternal love story. It's like Jesus said, I'm in my Father. He's in me. If you've seen me, you've seen Dad. If you've been with me, you've been with my Dad because we're one. 
But somehow religion has kept us so far out here, and we think that's just going on amongst the Godhead, between the Father and the Son of the, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, no, son, no, daughter, I have taken you and put us right in the middle of this divine romance between the covenant love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all the love I have for Jesus, I have for you. If you'll fear me, if you'll fear me, I'll show you the power of my covenant. If you'll fear me, I'll share secrets with you. Do you want God to give you secrets? When I was a boy, Amos 3.7, Amos 3.7, and this may be familiar to some of you. But this scripture came into my young teenage life <laughs> many, many years ago. And it says, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. That's Amos 3.7. Isn't it amazing? There's something about an almighty, infinite, all-powerful God that he wants to share secrets with us. That captured my heart. And I remember when I was young as a teenager, I, I was kind of afraid of the scripture. I was like, oh, God, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to be a prophet. Man, that, oh, that scares me, Lord. But I certainly want you to share some secrets with me. <laughs> Things have changed since those days. I've said to you before, it's amazing when you look at the scripture that even God desires to make himself accountable to men that he made in his likeness. Even God wants to make himself accountable to say, this is what I'm about to do. This is what I want to do. And when I speak and I say, this is what I want to do, will my word find agreement in the earth realm and others will say what I'm saying. And that's, what we're, that's where we're at. That's our address in this hour right now. The true prophets and apostles and messengers have been declaring, this is the will of the Lord. This is where God is going. This is what God is not partnering with. This is who God is partnering with. So the issue is, is will we really believe the word of the Lord? And will we stand with what God has desired? See, prophecy is what? Prophecy is just this. It's God's dream. It's God's intention. It's God's desire. Prophecy is desires. It's his intention. It's his will. And so when he speaks the word, we call it prophecy, he looks for our agreement to say, I'll come into alignment with that dream. I'll say yes to your intentions, Father. I will come into alignment with your will. And I will say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Over this person, over this family, over this church, over this region, over this nation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what you do. You come into alignment with it. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, you better hear it tonight. There's not a line being drawn in the sand, ladies and gentlemen. There's a, there's a line being drawn in, in the stone. Because in the stone, the finger of God has already chiseled it out. And he said, this is my commandment. Now I want to know who's going to keep my word. 
and all these other phony fuddy-duddies in the church that think that they can just use their little chalkboards and erase what they want to erase in this hour. God's saying, no, my word is forever settled. Now I want to know, are you going to come into congruence with it? Are you going to come into alignment with it? And are you going to denounce those who will not? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know this is strong. Here's my question about Amos 3.7. You with me, Henry? You good, buddy? (laughs) Why? Here's my question tonight, August. Why? Why? Why, Shane? Why? Why, Sue Ann, does God want to share secrets with his friends? Why? Because there's something about God that God loves friendship and partnership. That's how he gets everything done and accomplished. He loves it. It's the way to work. He loves working through us. And he loves working with us. And he loves a heart that says, when he speaks, we celebrate. When he speaks, we celebrate and we move and go, wow, that's what God wants to do. God loves partnership. And right now, the Holy Spirit is inviting us into the agenda of heaven. And what is the agenda of heaven? The agenda of heaven is to glorify Jesus supreme above all. Uh, oh, I thought it was the Republican uh, Party. Is it? No, no, no. The agenda of the Holy Spirit is to magnify the supremacy of Jesus above all. You either yield and kiss the Son or you face His judgment. That's where we're going. Lastly, I want to say over you tonight, the Lord is not inviting you just to run with a torch. The the Lord is inviting you to become a torch. To become a torch, to become a voice. All of us have to deal with fear. All of us have to deal with the turbulence of this, this hour. But we have to get before the Lord so that we can be transformed and become a true voice for him. You all all right? Acts chapter 2, and I'm about there. I said that 10 minutes ago. Acts chapter 2, very familiar passage of Scripture in 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul's declaration, his, his explanation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he says, he, he gets up and he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters, they shall prophesy. Ha ha, underline it. And young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams on men's servants and maidservants. I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. The reason I'm just bringing this up is because I want you to understand this is not strange. It is not strange to prophesy. It is not strange to have visions. It is not, listen, it is not strange to have dreams. 
You're not awkward. You're not weird because you're having visions or dreams. You do have to steward them properly. You do have to get authorization from heaven. You can actually speak them. And if he gives you authorization, then you speak them and you declare them. I want you to see it. You're going to prophesy. You're going to dream. You're going to have visions. Anticipate this. You remember when you stood up and you put your hands out during the offering and you declared, you said, Lord, I, I receive your provision and your miracle work in the realm of my transition, my house, my finances. Remember how you prayed that? That's how you do it. Lord, I, I receive this inheritance. I shall prophesy. I shall have visions. I shall dream dreams. Say it over your own. There are words that the Holy Spirit is putting into you to transform a neighbor, a neighborhood, a school, a university, a business, a city, a region, a nation. Folks, I want you to take it serious tonight. I, I've gone slow, but God wants you to become a voice and a mouthpiece for him. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> While you're turning there, this is what I want to speak over you. Many times God is waiting for something to be done on the earth. And the reason that he's waiting for something to be done in the earth is because he needs someone to pray it. Did you hear it? He needs someone to pray it, someone to decree it, someone that will declare it by faith that it has to be done. Remember, it's about coming into alignment and congruence with what is the will and the intentions and the dream of God and God finding a woman, God finding a man that yields himself and says, I will believe that and I will walk in that and I will declare it. See, many times we're waiting for God to do something in the earth and he's waiting actually for us to decree it. That's why it's so important that the ecclesia, who's the ecclesia? It's the church that Jesus is building that the gates of hell do not prevail against. God is looking to us in the earth realm and saying, I've already given you all authority over the power of the enemy. I need you to decree it. I need you to say it. I need you to do it. So Jeremiah, man, Jeremiah, phew, he was mighty. <laughs> He's still mighty. He's very much alive. He's in heaven. Look at all that he accomplished by, come, by becoming a mouthpiece for God. That's amazing. All that he accomplished. And the Bible says he was called to uproot, tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Folks, that's a powerful calling. <laughs> wow. To uproot, to tear down, to destroy, overthrow, and then to build and to plant. You see, when you look at that, what I want to tell you is that God needs us to cry out that this corruption in our land is, is completely exposed and justice comes to it. 
That is tearing down. That is uprooting. That is uncovering. You see it? It's what Jeremiah did. He says, I'm going to pull this up by the roots. I'm going to uproot it. God has anointed me to tear it down. God's anointed me to destroy this. So, listen, you got to take this personal. God wants to anoint you to tear down demonic strongholds in America. Right here in Florida, in this city. God wants to use you, use you to be a mouthpiece to tear down, to stand, as my wife does, in the education mountain with many powerhouse women, lioness in this church that intercede week in, week out. Go to these meetings and stand before the educational board and say, it is foul that we should be leading our children into these levels of perversion. What are you doing? You're saying, I'm tearing this down. And as for me in this region, we're not tolerating this. We're not going this way. And we're not standing with you if this is where you're going to take our kids. We've got to rise up and say it, folks. We've got to rise up and say it. God's voice can be powerful through you. And your response should be, God, I want your voice to be powerful in me. Cody, I want you to come. Things sound far more anointed when you touch the keys. I need you behind me for this grand finale finish. The greatest days of church history are not behind us. They are just ahead of us. The greatest days of church history are not behind us. They're just ahead of us. I believe we're about to see a divine reversal in the United States. I'm not wavering from it. I'm not wavering from it. And I'm standing with God. If you think for one minute I'm going to stand with all that chaos and demonic stuff, you got another thing coming. There's an anointing that will cause you to arise. There's an anointing that will empower you. And it's by standing as a friend of God in the voice of God to hear his voice. And to become a torch. If we become torches in this hour, God will use us to define this moment. God will use us to define this moment. Define our times. Literally to write history. It was Reese Howells that said that the intercessors, the future belongs to the intercessors. Simply, if we will come into agreement with God and declare it, pray it, proclaim it, preach it, we will see it manifest. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to ask you this question. I asked you this question about six months ago. Here's my question for you. What can God's word placed in your heart and mouth do in our generation if you become a voice? What can God's word placed in your heart and mouth do 
if you become a voice. Last things, I want you to write it down. Intercession is voice activated. Intercession is voice activated. Intercession is faith activated. Faith activated. Intercession is spirit activation. Intercession is rebuking the works of the devil. Intercession is binding up the works of the devil. Then intercession is decreeing the will of God be established. This is has to be our address in this time. I am not living with the news on in my house 24-7. Are we, Brent? Our Bibles are open. Our worship music is going. And we're decreeing the words of the Lord. And we're praying them and we're saying them. I can't pray it enough. I'm waking up every hour on the hour. I got to take another walk. I got to go walk the neighborhood again and decree it. It's like I can't, I can't, I can't pray enough right now. And I'm not praying in doubt and unbelief. I'm praying in faith. It's time. This is our time. It's time to write history. It's time to decree history. This is what the will of God is. I refuse for America to be turned over into the hands of evil, evil, evil leadership. People can say what they want about Donald Trump. No one has stood with the church in Israel like Donald Trump. No one has stood for the unborn like Donald Trump. No one has stood for the American people like Donald Trump. I, I could go down the list, go down the list. Forget, forget all the stuff. Look at the facts. God's anointed him. God chose him. God uniquely gifted him and trained him. He's raw. So what? He makes mistakes. So what? I've made thousands of them. How about you? Folks, God wants you to become a mighty voice. See, you need to understand, I'm your leader, I'm your pastor, I'm your shepherd, I'm your friend, whatever you want to call me. But I want to tell you something, Jesus is coming soon. Don't you let anyone ever talk you out of that. He's coming soon. The time is short. We have to become a voice for God in this hour. And the only way we do it is by spending quality time with God. Say, God set my heart on fire. Doesn't mean that you've got to have five messages ready to roll out of the house with. It just means that you go out of the house with a burning heart and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Lord, the winds of the Spirit of God blow you and take you, and He just crosses people through your life and through your world, that the conversations begin and then the Holy Spirit starts directing your heart and your tongue. And He begins to release words of life. Sometimes he's going to release words out of your mouth that are like swords. 
That's Isaiah 49. He'll give you a tongue like a sword and a spear, and it'll cut and it'll divide, but it'll be the Lord. And God will bless it and God will anoint it. And he'll cut wickedness and demons off of people because you speak. He'll cut demons off of people because you speak. He'll cut off dangerous relationships off of them because you spoke. Because you became a mouth for God. You became a voice, a mouthpiece for God. Salvation will begin to break out because you spoke, because you preached. Salvation will come because you preached, because you spoke up. Deliverance will come to people because you spoke. Healing will come because you released the healing word. And you did it as a friend of God. You don't have to do it like Brian. You don't have to do it like Bill Johnson. You don't have to do it like Reinhard Bonnke. All you have to do is be Mark and be Andy and be Jeannie and be great and shine the radiance in the face of God. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. God uses us and then God gets all the glory for it in the end. that you're drawing us in you're wooing us into your presence you're wooing us into covenant you're wooing us into stand in the fire of your word you're wooing us into be shaped and fashioned and disciplined sharpened equipped Lord, you're dressing us in confidence, garments of confidence and boldness. Lord, may your wisdom fill our heart. May your wisdom fill our mouths. May your counsel and may your words flow freely from us, O oh God. Crown us, Lord, with revelation knowledge. Crown us, Lord, with the spirit of revelation and a spirit of wisdom. Crown us with a spirit of wisdom, Lord, and the knowledge of you. Crown us with understanding, Lord, deep, penetrating understanding in our spirit. Fill us with discernment. Fill us with discernment. May the eyes of our spirit be open, Lord, to see 
accurately what is truth and what is a lie. In the name of the Lord Jesus tonight, I bless every one of you. You are a chosen son of God. You are a chosen daughter of God. You are so celebrated in heaven and you are known in heaven and you are loved and you are cherished by your father. You are called and you are anointed and you are powerful in his anointing. You are powerful in the spirit. God is with you. God is in you. His favor is upon you. His favor is upon you. So rejoice. Rejoice. Be bold in the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are walking before us and you are ordering our steps. You are ordering our conversations. You are ordering the battle plan. You are orchestrating miracles. You are orchestrating power being unleashed by your spirit. You are orchestrating souls being saved. You are orchestrating miracles that will manifest and blow our minds. You are orchestrating us going, Lord, to those that are oppressed by the devil and us breaking them out of prisons and shackles. You are orchestrating it, God. You are writing the story. Your angels are here moving with us, helping to direct our path, moving the stones out of the way. They're helping to prepare the way of the Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for your mighty messengers here. I call every one of you messengers of the King. I call you as ambassadors of the throne of heaven. Hallelujah. I say, let this week be a miracle week. I say that fear will not rule you. But the voice of your Father saying, I love you. I adore you and cherish you. You are mine. That you will walk in your identity. You will walk in your identity as a son and a daughter. You will please the Lord. And you will be used mightily by the Spirit of God. I bless you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Praise God. Altars are open, folks. If you want to come and linger, spend some quality time with God. We love you, Victory. Ladies will see, well, the ladies will see the ladies at the men's, or the ladies, the ladies will see the ladies at the ladies' meeting. And I will see all the men at the men's meeting at Philip's home. Love you guys. Guys, if you don't know Philip, make sure you connect with Philip and Susie. Make sure you get their number, their address. It's going to be a powerful time. We'll see you tomorrow. Love you guys. Those of you that are on the internet, we love you. Thank you so much for being with us. Good night. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.